Welcome to Splunk Talk, 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 a Splunk podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I am your host, Birch. Over there, we've got... Hey, morning. It's Hal. <laughs> and we've got two special guests today, Sirish and Patrick. But before we get into any of that, good morning, second day of conf. Yep. We're still going. We're still alive. Um I don't believe there were any fatalities. Did you hear about any fatalities yesterday? <laughs> no. I think we're yeah, I think we're in the clear. So perfect safety record. But I've been I've been in this channel with you the whole time, so what do I know? <laughs> we did I think it was five yesterday. So that's a new five. world record. Five live streams of the Splunk Talk podcast in twenty twenty at Conf. That's a yes. new world record. And um, I, even though it's a virtual conf, I do feel like I, I'm, I physically, my body is exhausted. So it, it that's how I know it's a <laughs> it real feels conf. exactly like a real conf. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just an update. Um, so now uh, I have one bingo because mm -hmm. I know people are following along at home. And uh, now I'm just looking to rub it in by getting some other spots as well. Cool. I like it. I so like it. let's... Um, this this is a, a special episode. I want everybody to to pay attention. Um, we're talking about Kubernetes today, okay? And kind of where Splunk is going with it. We're gonna talk first about our guests. So why don't you start us off, Patrick? Why don't you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Patrick Ogden. I'm a product manager for Splunk. I've been with Splunk actually twelve years this month. Uh, oh, been yeah. in uh, yeah, good lord. Uh, been in sales engineering. Uh, I have been doing product management for a while now. I've worked on uh, monitoring console, search head clustering, um, a bunch of a bunch of things that uh, made their way into the core platform. So uh, very excited the, to still be what's here. What's the oldest feature that you can think of that you shepherded? Mm. Oh, I think the first thing I worked on, one of the first things I worked on was uh, forwarder management UI. And then also um, we worked on some stuff that had to do with uh, structured data input. So the header stripping in like mm -hmm. IIS logs and CSV handling, uh, that was one of the first things I ended up working on, yeah. Thank you for that, I appreciate it. And here's a, yeah, sure. here's a little factoid. Um, at my very first conf, uh, when I was a wee lad in 2013, um, <clears throat> Patrick doesn't remember this, but I attended, I think he did a, a talk on the monitoring console back then called the DMC, the Distributed Management That's right. Octavio and, and uh, I. Yeah. And uh, uh, fell in love with him then. And then I've been secretly in <laughs> love with him. And then only recently realized that I remembered meeting him and talking with him a lot after that talk. He doesn't remember it at all. So it's a very one-sided relationship. <laughs> So Patrick is not the only guest today, so let's be sure to introduce uh, Suresh. Morning. How's it Morning. going? Yeah, good. Thanks. How long have you been at, at Splunk? I've been with Splunk for uh, close to six years now. Oh, wow. I, man, I fall down on the job here. I, I, I've been, I've not, not here as long as Patrick, but, you know, we've been, you know, eight, Birch and myself, you know, eight, eight-ish years, and it's, you can't know everybody anymore. And there was a time at which you could realistically know everyone. That time is long past. So yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. What's um, your Splunk journey? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, as I said, I've been with Splunk for about six years, but most of my time has actually been uh, down under. I joined Splunk uh, in Sydney 
Australia. Uh, started off with support, moving on to engineering, uh, and then moving on to engineering management uh, before being transferred uh, to the headquarters here in San Francisco last year. So I'm currently managing a, a, a team of uh, you know uh, software engineers here in the Bay Area too. Awesome. Is that really like shepherding cats, you're herding cats? That's kind of what I heard the job is like. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, uh, working with, with my team, yeah. So let's um, first maybe, Patrick, you, wanna, you what is the news? What, what are we talking about today? And we'll kind of get into the details for, you know, the next 20 plus minutes. Yeah, sure. Uh, we announced, I guess, yesterday, dropped yesterday, the latest release for the Splunk operator for Kubernetes. Uh, so this is a journey we've been on for, well, actually a couple of years now. Uh, but the, the big news this, this week is that uh, we've officially moved into beta for the Splunk operator for Kubernetes. And we added a bunch of, uh, actually, Suresh's team added a bunch of very cool features into the beta uh, as we head towards uh, making running Splunk in a distributed fashion on Kubernetes uh, containerized, uh, fully supported, and uh, good to go. Okay, so let's back up a little bit and and talk about why would someone, I, I guess, why why are people running things in containers and Kubernetes in, in particular? Yeah, it really is. We're getting closer to this more cloud-like deployments um, uh, on for customers that are running things either on-prem mm -hmm. or really where this we're seeing a lot of this is also in the. Uh, uh, the cloud, the public cloud providers. So uh, places like Amazon, Amazon's uh, Elastic Kubernetes Service, uh, and uh, GKE and uh, and Azure. So um, this gives us a way to sort of take the traditional Splunk, uh, Splunk the enterprise product that we built, not necessarily to be containerized over the last 20 years, and put some wrappers around it such that it it looks more like a uh, containerized, uh, scalable service uh, when running it uh, in a cloud-like infrastructure, on a cloud infrastructure. So is this the same journey as what Splunk has been doing with Splunk Cloud, the service? To a degree. Uh, I think there's, uh, you know, there's the, the there's a method. There are ways in which we're currently running the Splunk Cloud, and then there are the new ways that we're looking at Splunk Cloud, and we're evolving both of those at the same time. And um, the, both of those definitely involve uh, container-based services to deliver the Splunk cloud service. Okay. So what's the what's the sort of like compelling reason for this? Like, I'll be an I'll be the haggard here, and and I'll hey, you know, like I, I like haggard my or? yeah, sure. I like my traditional, uh, you know, install Splunk on my server. I got it running there. Seems to work fine. What's what's with all these hippie kids and their containers? <laughs> what what is that? What is the value? of doing any of that for Splunk software specifically? Yeah, so I think in this case, really, we would like to say that we're taking the toil out of sort of the setup and administration. I mean, really where this comes into play is when you're running Splunk distributed and also at scale, uh, because in any of those environments, we have to, um, uh, you know, we have to either have a customer build things in, say, Puppet Chef or Ansible to build automation around uh, things like the coming and going of, say, VMs or bare metal servers or, um, you know, just getting all of the bits out into a distributed environment uh, when you're running Splunk when it's not containerized uh, 
and not running under Kubernetes. So the Kubernetes backlink gives us a lot of, I guess, flexibility to integrate third-party products. Um, the, the project that we're currently working on heavily leverages the Docker Splunk um, uh, GitHub project, and also, importantly, the Splunk Ansible project, which is where we get a lot of this good uh, automation. And, and you know, I can just build a search head cluster or build an indexer cluster and have all the pods in the um, you know, in Kubernetes just sort of automatically come up with the service ready to go, whereas all of this would be either something the customer would have to uh, hand code uh, and build themselves, and we've sort of taken all of that out of the mix. Okay, so you just threw a few technologies at us, and what I want to know is if I'm a Splunk admin, tell me what more do I need to learn and understand in order to administer mm -hmm. these things effectively? And I see you nodding, Suresh. You, you want to kind of take that? Yeah, go ahead, Suresh. Sure. I think um, as a Splunk admin, um, the, the Splunk operator has, uh, you know, tried its best and it continues to, we continue to work on the product so that uh, we make it as easy and as seamless for Splunk admins to be able to install um, Splunk in a Kubernetes environment. Having said that, uh, some degree of uh, Kubernetes knowledge, um, you know, um, what are the some some fundamentals, right? What are the what are the pods? How how to set up the Kubernetes? How do you set up the networking within the Kubernetes? How do you open it up to the outside world so that we can start ingesting the data from forwarders and so on? So these are some fundamental uh, uh, concepts that that would be uh, nice to have as a Splunk admin while you're using the operator to install um, Splunk within Kubernetes. So what would a workflow? I don't know. There might be a typical versus an ideal workflow with deploying. Splunk in this sort of environment for somebody that is new to containers and Kubernetes, would you foresee them passing it off to a development team or do they really need to be closer to that process? Oh, the, the workflow is uh, actually we have made it as simple as possible. Uh, all that an admin has to do is to um, um, just call a couple of commands that we have documented in our, uh, in our documentation guide uh, using the kubectl uh, APIs that would, that would set up the uh, the operator, and then use certain uh, YAML files to install whatever uh, configuration that we want. Um, no. Say, for example, an indexer cluster or a searcher cluster or whatever. So uh, it's as simple as possible. So I, I don't see why uh, an admin would need a development team uh, to be involved here. Okay. So it it almost it it kind of um, sounds almost like, but not, but almost like just another operating system that you can run Splunk on. So I go to Splunk.com, download, and I can download it for, for like Windows, for Linux, for AIX, whatever. But also, maybe not directly on that page, but I could run it on Kubernetes. And just like how, as a Splunk admin, I would need to know, well, if I'm going to install this on Linux, I got to know some Unix. I got to know how to navigate and do commands and so, so forth. Um, what I'm hearing from you, Suresh, is... It's kind of equivalent. If you're installing this on Kubernetes, you have to know how to a be an administrator, bit, yeah. just enough to install and run and, and that type of thing. Is so, so Bert, you made a, exactly a, the way that, that I was to say that's exactly the way that we're that we're treating it as well. Is it's just another. In fact, we're you know Kubernetes has kind of evolved as it's the the cloud operating system. You know, it's a distributed operating system, a clustered operating system, and um, yeah, that that's how exactly how we think of it. It's just another platform for us to deploy it on. 
Nice. So Birch mentioned the download page. I, I'm, I'm thinking because I know a little bit about how these mechanics uh, work. That's not how this is distributed, is it? No. This is uh, all done, uh, well, there's a couple of different methods. So the container, when, when you actually bring up a cluster, container is actually obviously grabbed from Docker, right? So the, the Splunk Enterprise container uh, that it might ends not up, be obvious uh, to everyone. So let's unpack that just a tiny bit. What is being downloaded from Docker and why? Sure, it's just the, the container that, that contains the Splunk D bits. Um, mm -hmm. And that could be one if we're doing a single Splunk container or a single Splunk pod, uh, or it could be 50 if we're you know creating a search head cluster and an index cluster. We could download many, many at the same time. And then sort of the, 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 the stitching that keeps it all together, uh, as Sirish alluded to, is there's uh, some YAML files that define uh, exactly what the clusters look like, how big they are, what they're talking to, what services they reference, like the search a cluster service references the indexer cluster service, and that's how we do distributed search. And for the setup, how to your point, it really is just um, it's a, a kubectl kubectl uh, command, and it's kubectl apply, and then we basically just pass it a a Splunk YAML uh, YAML file that we've created, which sets up the service for Splunk goes out and grabs all the um uh goes out and grabs all of the uh the docker containers and, and basically readies your environment to start running splunk under so speaking of this asymmetric relationship birch has with, with patrick patrick do you remember oh this would have been mm, 2013 when i was lobbying to get us to set up a, an rpm repository so people could download uh splunk that way yes uh, you do. I, I also are, had an effort yeah. doing that, not knowing about your prior effort. I, I feel like every for every 50 people that worked at Splunk, maybe there was one person in each wave that was like, hey, can we get an RPM in the repo so it's yeah. easier to install? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I also like thought that was a good idea. Got there, and but the place we got to was different than, than when we started, but we actually got there as far as distributing software in a repository that is used by a community of, you know, consumers of software yeah that's exactly how it works too i mean you still have to apply a license at some point during this mm -hmm. process right you still have to put your splunk license in it but everything else the you know docker splunk uh pulls you know from the currently available the latest version of splunk and as of yesterday or actually even monday night 810 um so everything is kind of getting updated in that patch so this is the i would call it the cooler uh next generation version of the rpm and more importantly, not only just for, you know, single instance, like I just want to pull a single Ford or a single version of Splunk Enterprise down. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, using container orchestration so we can build distributed Splunk deployments and really of any of any size. We've we've run this actually at, at customer beta sites. Uh, I think we ran a I don't know how many there were literally hundreds of different instances of containers of Splunk indexers and search heads. Uh, running an environment, and that was even with our alpha version of the software. So um, it works very well because we actually use a lot of the same components uh, internally to build uh, the and build and test Splunk itself. In fact, Splunk Ansible and the Docker Splunk uh, projects were outcroppings of internal projects where we were building distribute. We were building clusters to do tests against as part of our de definition of merge our DOM process before we release um, Splunk Enterprise. So a lot of this, this is really first class now. 
yeah, yeah. This is it's it's it, it actually works. <laughs> so yeah. I got. Oh, go ahead, Suresh. So I was just about to add to what Patrick was saying um, from a scalability perspective. Um, just just to uh, give you some some perspective, right? Um, that one single YAML file, uh, which is dedicated for say uh, all the indexes in an indexer cluster. Um, just to simplify, if I if I wanted say hundred indexes in a cluster, all I have to do is to toggle a certain field in the YAML file, which uh, which is called as a replicas, and I say, hey, I want hundred indexes, and then mm -hmm. apply it with one command. And the next thing, the operator does its magic along with the Kubernetes uh, infrastructure to create hundred indexes within a cluster. So it's as simple as that from an admin's uh, perspective. Uh, and then X number of minutes later those are ready to go and they are ingesting data and serving queries exactly maybe not even minutes maybe maybe seconds uh, wow. yeah. i have a little cluster that i run in eks and uh we can bring up i bring up a a, a three node indexer cluster three node search ed cluster in under 30 seconds wow so, so is there anything that you would not use this for and and i let me this the way i the reason I ask this question is that today, if you go to our support page and you look at what we support, we support Docker uh, Splunk in a single standalone instance only. Right now, I know you're beta, so we're not GA yet, but for this operator, are there going to be constraints that we need to understand? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just also a matter of, uh, of people's comfort level with Kubernetes, like we said just a few minutes ago, is there's some uh, basic things that you have to learn about either operating Kubernetes on-premise, uh, if you're running it, say, under OpenShift or Esmeral or one of the other you know, sort of non-public cloud service uh, providers, or if you're running it in, in EKS, TKE. I think it's really just about uh, comfort level with, uh, you know, with navigating uh, some of the new services and 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 whatnot, but um, yeah, as as you alluded to, we are in beta, so um, the running running Splunk uh, containerized in distributed environment is actually not even supported yet, and that's what our goal is to do with with this project is to to give the lay the foundation uh, such that uh, customers can use this in a in a fully supported manner. So I now have three questions. The All first right. one is fun. Uh, is is YAML the one where it's um, yet another markup language? Yes. Okay. I, it's like PHP being recursive. Like I, I would get, I just get a kick out of those. Um, okay. So now for some tech questions, uh, I'm trying to picture the data flow. So I, I as Suresh was saying, I, I now have a hundred nodes, and I assume because it's so trivial, like I can scale up and scale down, and then that implies eventually I could even have some auto scaling type of functionality. But let's talk about the data flow because typically we don't, uh, Splunk software typically doesn't have like DNS or, or anything like we want the forwarders to maybe do index or discovery or, or have in the configuration file a listing of all the different indexers that they can send data outputs.conf um, to. How does that work in this more dynamic Kubernetes world where I might now have a hundred and in, you know, 30 seconds later, I could have a thousand and my typical phone home for the deployment server is going to be uh, default like 30 seconds. So there must be some kind of change there, right? I guess you want to take that one? How, how does the, how does the forwarders, know, how do the forwarders know where to send the data to? 
Sure. In fact, um, as one of the one of the things that we have, um, you know, um, as prioritized as part of our uh, backlog, wherein uh, we want to uh, focus on now that we have built the operator to be able to set up the indexer clusters, the multi-site indexer clusters, and even even the automated monitoring console. Uh, but uh, that that's something which might uh, please you because it's not just a monitoring console; it's something which which is already configured out of the box. Um, but with on top of all of that, um, what we also want to do is to work with different customers to try and understand how do they actually um, you know want where, where do they forward a sit is in the within the cluster, outside the cluster, and so on. Get a, a sense of uh, the real world uh, use cases, and then um, you know set up uh, things. Maybe it's just an infrastructural thing within uh, Kubernetes, set up ingress and other services which can accept the data from the forwarders and do the uh, you know the balancing, or we can probably have uh, maybe uh, index of discovery kind of a service built in within one of the containers which can help us do the routing, um, or it could be uh, you know any other strategies that we want to take. So in in other words, it's it's still so we have a a options. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So there's a couple options and we, we still are figuring out the path there based on what's going to be best for the customers. So now the data, let's say the data is received through a solution to be named later um, uh, from from our, our menu of options here. Data gets indexed. Now, again, putting on my, my Haggard costume, you know, hey, I, I save things locally to disk. And when I've got the number of indexers, going you know to a hundred or, or a thousand or down to three in seconds doesn't that mean I uh, all, all that data that was stored is just gone now because it's no longer on those uh, nodes one of the requirements of a Splunk operator is uh, the the need for um, having a smart store mm. so um, when 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 the operator actually sets up uh, the indexer cluster um, out of the box, we don't mandate it, but for a real uh, use case like what you just described, Burj, we, we would also want uh, the customers to set up some sort of a smart store, right? Um, and using using the smart store, uh, Splunk is going to use its uh, S2 functionality and uh, upload the the you know the data that it is ingesting onto the smart store itself. That should so solve the problem that you just described. Yeah. Okay, so so smart store, something that we came out with, I don't know, a year or two, or I've lost track, ago, it's going to allow, you know, the indexers are now just workhorses for both writing the received data into cloud storage, as well as serving the results of the search requests from that data in cloud storage. And then each of those indexer nodes is not persisting the data locally, it's actually caching it. So it's both acting to write to the disk and then ca keeping a cache. And so now you're able to fluctuate the number of indexers based on your workload needs, not necessarily based on like retention or whatever. Did I sufficiently use my hands for that explanation? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Very well described. Very well described. Okay. Yeah. We, we still rely upon having a small degree of local storage for hot buckets. That, I mean, we're just we're, we're running smart store, essentially. Um, so it's not completely ephemeral. Um, we do, but the, the good news about that is, uh, e even if we are streaming things, we're writing the, the local hot buckets. Under the case of Kubernetes, this once again comes back to having the Kubernetes backplane gives us a lot of extra things that we don't get, uh, sort of out of the box, just the Splunk here with the application layer uh, availability. Uh, we're writing 
to what we call a persistent volume claim uh, on the hot buckets. And if for some reason Kubernetes detects that there's uh, an, an unhealthy state in one of the indexers, it will offline that and then actually disconnect the persistent volume claim, basically the, the storage volume from the indexer, go grab new resources, recreate the container using the Docker container, and then reattach to that persistent volume claim. Wow. And then the cluster will start its rebalance via the sort of, it's sort of the, the marriage of indexer clustering plus, um, uh, plus the, you know, Kubernetes uh, uh, state and, and sort of uh, monitoring. So uh, it, it, it will offline itself, uh, rebuild and rebalance. We are also looking at, you know, methods by which we, with the introduction of multi-site, and we actually, that's another cool feature. We're trying to hit on all the cool stuff that we did for the beta. Uh, support multi supporting multi-site was a, a an early requirement from one of our large alpha customers uh, so we made that possible uh, with actually splitting the cluster master crd um, uh, out from the cluster uh, the indexer cluster itself and now we actually do support multi-site indexer clusters but we're thinking about potentially you know finding ways that if we could use multi-site indexer clustering um, uh, with, uh, in, instead of not requiring those persistent volume claims that we might actually get to be able to get to a place where the, the indexer is either close to, or almost entirely ephemeral. And we don't even need those persistent volume claims on the indexing here. And, and I guess if the customer had already solved storage with their Kubernetes environment, I mean, there, you can have storage drivers for those persistent volume to point to a SAN if you wanted to, you could always do that too, right? There'll be nothing yeah, stopping for sure. you from that. Okay, awesome. We're going to have to yeah, close in a few minutes, but I wanted to make sure that people had a takeaway for you in the beta. So Let's give where... them homework. <laughs> <laughs> so where should we send people, Patrick, and, and what are your kind of goals here in the next uh, that you can share? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you go to uh, GitHub and just look for the Splunk operator, you should be able to find it. In fact, I think I sent a link to There it is. Thank you very much. Pop it in chat. Uh, there is um, that is our, our main landing page. This is an open source project. Uh, so in fact, even within the course of the current alpha that we just came through, uh, we actually took um, uh, a pull request from customers uh, that you know needed certain features. So thank you to the community. Thank you to our customers that are helping us shepherd this along as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's where you can start. And then there's also a more formal uh, sign up page uh, that you can find off of Splunk.com. Uh, but really, just to get started, it's just the uh, easiest to, to go to the GitHub um, page and then uh, and then come off of this. So yeah, it's I think an open beta, fire away. It's an open beta, and then we'll actually be also working with a couple of, we call them white glove customers, uh, that will be setting this up in, in larger environments. Okay. Uh, but the time frame for us to move this out, and see that there's a, a, a question in the, in the chat room about the ETA. Um, we're working on it. We're actively working on it. Uh, I can't reveal a, a, an exact time, but let's just say that this one, we are targeting this to happen within the next calendar year. So within calendar year 21. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, so Rish, what, what are some, um, I guess, kind of the, the, the things that you've learned while, while building this and with your team? It's been an amazing journey. I mean, last last few months, the, the team that uh, started working on the operator um, started actually from scratch. 
we didn't we didn't worked on although you're all splunk experts we hadn't worked in kubernetes as such but the way we've actually ramped up the the, the technology itself is so interesting uh, so much that the entire we've got a strong engineering team which has become passionate about the whole technology um, as part of that i think what we've also learned is um, uh, thanks to patrick to make this happen we've also been uh, talking to a lot of customers trying to understand the real uh, world use cases and so on this is an emerging technology we can see that even the customers are trying to evaluate how they want to use uh, kubernetes in their private cloud and how they want to bring in splunk and so on so um a lot of exciting technology that we've been adapting uh, splunk um, in in that particular uh, environment and um, yeah just looking forward to uh, the, the the future uh, use cases that customers have we'll we'll continue to work closely with the customers to understand the use cases and prioritize our backlog very cool. And are there any talks that you want to um, that that uh, either happened yesterday and people should replay, or happening today that you want to point them to? There was an interesting talk. Uh, I think you looked for Ryan Faircloth. Uh, did a talk with um, it was Intel, some other folks about modernizing uh, technology and mo modernizing infrastructure. And the project that he's referring to is actually was based upon the alpha version of the Splunk operator. Um, which is interesting. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for your time, uh, Patrick and Suresh. We really uh, appreciate you sharing what you've been creating over the last uh, few months, uh, several, many months. I know it takes a long time to bring these things to market, so thanks for your hard work. Sure. Thanks. So thanks everyone from here should, uh, should head over to the main comp site and get ready for the first ever customer success keynote. And watch the stream. We'll be on a few more times today. Next up is uh, several hours. We'll be talking security with some of our friends, Jim Apgar and Kyle Champlin. Nice. All right. That's it for us. Thanks, everybody. Happy splunking. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.